Amen. So we should start doing this singing Amen. Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. Testing, we okay? We are okay. All right. We are live. Oh, good. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Calvary Merry. Cast listeners. That's yeah, how Merry I was going to introduce it, but you threw me off today. Or should we say happy holidays to not offend any of our no. audience? <laughs> I think anybody that'd be offended by that wouldn't be listening. I don't think they'd be listening. They would have been offended a long time ago. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But it is almost Christmas. The weather outside is frightful, but the fire in our podcast room is so delightful. Yeah. Actually, it's sunny and not too bad. No, <laughs> it's not too bad because it does never snow here. Nope. Do you have any Thankfully. Uh, Christmas traditions that you do? Yeah, we have, we have a number of them. We have movies we watch. Uh, Christmas movies leading up to like Christmas. Elf. Yeah. Um, usually on Christmas Eve after, of course, coming to the service is a tradition is a for tradition. our family. Yeah. And after that, we do, uh, um, we go back and, uh, what do we do? Oh, we have appetizers. <laughs> I forgot. It's, it's a really big tradition. We've been doing yeah. it for years and yeah. I can't remember what yeah. it is. We have appetizers and then um, the kids, if they want, can open one present. And... Then we get up Christmas morning, do that stuff, and we go to a movie on Christmas, usually. Mm-hmm. That's usually Good. a big movie day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, things like that. Cool. Yeah. I was just curious. Since this is a Christmas-themed podcast, we mm-hmm. should talk about Christmas things. That's right. Uh, do you have any? Do I have any? Do we have any traditions? Yeah, what do you guys do? Um. Well, we like to, we've decided we start, we watch the uh, Andrew Peterson Behold the Lamb of God concert every year. Oh, okay, cool. Which is cool. Yeah. And uh, so that's become our tradition. Uh, on Christmas Day? Or no. Christmas we wa- Eve or? So, like, we tried to live. It's, you can watch it live. Hmm. So, we try and do that. So, we did that, what was it, December 6th or something like that. So, oh. that's really an enjoyable concert. Mm-hmm. And uh, we usually let the kids open a present on Christmas Eve and go to the Christmas Eve service. But other than that, that's probably the main ones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about just about traditions. And happy, good feelings of Christmas cheer. We are talking about the Bible. There? Well, that should be a Christmas tradition. Oh, that is true. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And there are some passages, like the one you're going to look at today, that are mm-hmm. traditional in mm-hmm. the sense that you're going to hear them mainly at Christmas time every year. Got something stuck in my teeth. You'd be wanting to know that. They probably don't. Well, we'll leave it in just because it's fun. It's real. This is real life podcasting. It's a real, it's edgy. Edgy. Edgy podcasting. Oh, I remember that podcast. That was the one where Graham had something stuck <laughs> in his teeth. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I'm trying to get it out. It's real. Uh, anyway. Yeah, what are we talking about today? Well, why don't you describe that? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, we're going to talk about Isaiah 7 some, right? Isaiah 7, 9, and 11. Right. Which are all familiar passages to people because we often read them in the Christmas season. Sure. Um, but but the, as I looked at the notes, I'm thinking we may just be talking about Isaiah 7. 
the notes you prepared. <laughs> this might go into more than one podcast. Right. So this might be a multi-parter. We'll just see how far we get. And uh, at a certain point in time, we'll be like, that's enough. And then we'll break it into another part. But Because you think, it, I mean, and you're right, and I mm-hmm. agree, that it's important that we set some context here. Yeah. Because Matthew will quote from Isaiah 7. Correct. In his... Uh, in his gospel. Well, we looked at that last week. Yeah, and like you were talking about in our study of Matthew, or you maybe this was a conversation we were having the other day. It's really helpful to understand the context in which Matthew is writing and which his readers would have first heard mm-hmm. his letter. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing is important for us to understand when we're reading these prophecies in Isaiah 7. Yeah. Understanding there's more going on there mm-hmm. because it's there's an immediate audience than just how we see that, or how we read it in the Christmas season. Right. If that makes sense. Yep, makes sense. So, this is what we want to do. We're going to look at, in Isaiah 7, verse 14, the passage says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a lot of other stuff going on in that passage. We want to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about Isaiah 9, uh, the passage, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So on and so forth. And then Isaiah 11, where it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So those are the three passages we're going to try and get to, but we want to explain all the stuff that's going on around them so you understand them better. Um, I would encourage you, if you're at home, and since this is Christmas break, and you're probably just sitting around in your pajamas watching Christmas movies, you shut that off and grab your Bible. And I think like as we walk, because one thing I want to, there's going to be a lot of like verses to reference for people. So it might be helpful if you have your Bible and you can just see this phrasing and such for yourself. So pause the podcast. Go do that now. Great. You're back. (laughs) That was a good pause. Uh, Let's just do this. Let's set the context for the book of Isaiah itself. So Isaiah was a prophet uh, uh, prophesying primarily to the kingdom of Judah. So if you don't know what the kingdom of Judah is, understand the history of the nation of Israel is this. Uh, they had the first king, Saul, and he was rejected by the Lord because he sinned. David was the man God chose after that, and he was a, a king with a, uh, a heart after God. And because of er, da- the Lord made a covenant with David saying, forever a king from your line will sit on the throne of Israel. Um, but what happens shortly after David dies, his grandson Rehoboam, uh, splits the kingdom in two through a wicked, uh, foolish decision. And so you have two kingdoms in the nation of Israel. So no longer when we think of Israel do we think of it as one unified nation, but now it's two kingdoms. Um, I can't think of a contemporary comparison. So just think of it as two kingdoms. You have the, the nation of Israel. You have the northern kingdom, which we often call Israel, or Isaiah will often call them Ephraim. Uh, and then you have the southern kingdom, which is Judah, the tribe of Judah. You remember Israel is made up of 12 tribes. The southern tribe is really two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. The northern kingdom is is 10 tribes. So Isaiah is prophesying primarily to the kings in Judah. And then Jeremiah uh, is going to be dealing more with, uh, not, not uh, well, like if you're going to kings, Elijah and Elisha are dealing primarily with um, Israel, just so you can kind of look at the comparison. Then the other thing that's happening a lot in the days of the prophets, like Isaiah, is that uh, Israel was God's covenant people, and because of that covenant, when they obeyed the Lord, there was blessing, but when they disobeyed, there was punishment, and often that punishment came from outside 
from other world powers. So during this time, it'd be a nation like we're going to see Assyria is one that's going to bring judgment. Babylon later, also Syria, Egypt, Moab, later on Ammon and Edom, Philistia. Uh, that's what you think about David fighting the giant Goliath, who is a Philistine. They were always oppressing Israel. So those are some of the other players that are that are in the book of, Is- of Isaiah and really a part of the history of Israel, but we're not going to look at all of those. Does that make sense so far for setting the context? Makes sense. You were asleep, but that's okay. Yeah, thank you for waking me back up. You're welcome. <laughs> if I get too much of a nap, I can't sleep tonight. So That's true. That's true. If it, I'll, I'll just edit out your snoring there. There we go. <clears throat> so that's kind of the, the context for the book of Isaiah. Now, as we get to Isaiah chapter 7, we're introduced to a king named Ahaz. And Ahaz was the king in Judah. So he was a descendant of David. David. And you can go read about his reign in First Kings chapter 16, and you'll find out he was not a godly king. Uh, his father, Uzziah, was a more, or well, let's see, yeah, his father was Uzziah. I think Jotham was his brother who was king before him and died. Um, but anyway, under his reign, the king of Syria named Ramalia makes an alliance with the king of Israel. Remember, they're the northern kingdom, and their king, Pekah, and they attacked Jerusalem, but they were not able to overthrow it. And so it's in this time period that we have Isaiah 7. And what we see is that Ahaz and the people of Israel are terrified by this alliance because Syria and Israel combining together are going to be a pretty powerful force. And so it says, like in chapter 7, verse 2, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So they're they're terrified by this alliance. So the Lord sends Isaiah to Ahaz to tell him to not fear this alliance. You can go look at chapter 3, or chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Uh, He sends his son with him, and Isaiah tells Ahaz, don't fear these nations. Uh, The Lord is not going to allow Syria and Israel to overtake Judah and Jerusalem. Rather, in a short time, both of these nations are going to come to to an end. So Isaiah is trying to encourage Ahaz, and the Lord is really gracious to Ahaz, even though he's a a wicked king. And uh, he gives him a... uh, an affirmation, a word of encouragement uh, in verses 7 through 9 that these nations will not besiege Judah and Jerusalem. Um, He says, you know, within a short amount of time, actually, these nations are going to come to an end. They're no longer going to be your enemies. And so he is really seeking to bolster Ahaz's faith. And and he does it, and he takes it even a step further in chapter 7. And this is where we're getting close to uh, to the, the the sign the Lord actually gives in verse 14. So in verse 10, the Lord speaks again to Ahaz, and he says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. And so what the Lord is doing is saying, Ahaz, I want to, to in essence, double down on my proof to you. I, re, I want you to know that this word I've said about these nations is going to come to pass. And he, and he gives him, you know, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So he could ask anything of the Lord, and the Lord will grant that to prove that what he's saying is true. But Ahaz responds in this way in verse 12. And at first it seems kind of um, modest or kind of like humble in a way. Because he says, um, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. But actually what he's saying, he's really proud. Uh, he will not ask the Lord for a sign. Ahaz, here what he does is he actually misuses scripture and Back in Numbers and Deuteronomy, the Lord had disciplined Israel for putting the uh, putting them putting him to the test when they came out of Egypt. Um, in in Numbers chapter fourteen, it says that Israel put the Lord to the test ten different times, and they did that when they did not obey His word. 
Uh, they didn't believe what he said. They looked for more and more signs to prove uh, that 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 what he had said would come to tr- come to pass. That he would be faithful to his word, even when he had over or and over and over shown how how faithful he was. So Ahaz kind of feigns at this hypoc or at this uh, humility, but that's all he's doing. He's just feigning at it. And so Ahaz is proud. He won't ask the Lord for a sign. So instead, uh, the Lord is going to uh, to give him the sign himself. Uh, verse 13, he says this to Ahaz. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And so what the Lord is saying is, is you're not just rejecting the word of a man, like the prophet Isaiah, but you're rejecting the word of God. And so even in in the Lord seeking to bolster Ahaz's faith to remind him that he has not abandoned the nation of Israel. Ahaz is proud and rejects this, this offer uh, to get another sign from the Lord. So the Lord gives him a sign in chapter 7, verse 14, and this is the passage we're also familiar with when he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we know that that prophecy I, prophesy, <laughs> prophecy <laughs> wasn't fully fulfilled in Ahaz's day because Matthew, as we're going to see in Matthew chapter 1, says that this is fulfilled in the birth of Christ. Um, but I do want to just make a few other notes about this passage because as you go on, you're going to read in verse 15, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And so you might read that, and that might seem a little bit confusing. And and what ha- what we see is that there is a birth of a boy. I'm not entirely sure who it is. I think it could be. Uh, Isaiah's son, Mayor Shalal Hashbaz, which is a fantastic. Hey, name. wow, that was really good. Yeah, right? yeah. So, if you're looking for a child's name out there, Mayor Shalal Hashbaz. Yeah, think about that, ponder that, because that might be a good name. That for... could be a good one. Yeah, it's like uh, like four names, mm-hmm. and then if you gave that child a middle name, like Mayor Shalal Hashbaz Charlie Parker. There you go. That would. Be I'm going to recommend that, Jenna, if you're listening. <laughs> I think that'd be a good one if we ever have a fourth child. But anyway, uh, so what, whoever this child is that's born is a partial fulfillment in a sense because it's a type, right? It's not the complete fulfillment of Emmanuel um, because, again, the, the New Testament helps us understand that Jesus is the full fulfillment of that child. But whoever this child is that's born, um, the deliverance that Ahaz is seeking for is not going to come during that child's birth is what Isaiah is trying to happen because during while this child is still a boy uh, Syria and Israel will fall the two kings you dread will be deserted he says and the kingdom of Israel will be taken into ca- captivity by the king of Assyria uh, which you can go read in second Kings 17 so this prophecy to Ahaz is one of a future deliverance Ahaz is not going to see this deliverance um, and, and then just a few generations after Ahaz, the kingdom of Judah is going to fall into the hands of the Babylonians. So the birth of this type of this child in verses 15 and 16 is not the deliverer needed. The true deliverer is still coming. And so from there, let's jump into Matthew chapter 1. And you had some thoughts, or are there thoughts on the things that I brought out here? Or yeah, well, the connection then is in Matthew 1. Um when the angel 
comes to Joseph in a dream and um, says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we see all that happening back in the time of King Ahaz and God's sign to King Ahaz. And where and, and really commentators disagree on this. Yeah. So was that partly fulfilled in... Um, What's his name? Mayor Shalal Hashbaz. There you go. Or uh, someone else at that time right. or whatever. There, there is a lot of mystery right. surrounding it. And ultimately, you think about it, there probably was among the, uh, the Jewish rabbis as well for mm-hmm. centuries. Like, where is this? Mm-hmm. What is this? Uh, where was this sign fulfilled? You know, what is... Same questions probably we right. ask. And here Matthew excitedly is saying it was fulfilled. It was ultimately pointing to Jesus. And um, and so there's a number of things that we we talked about a lot of this Sunday morning in the sermon as we were walking through it, but uh, a few things that I might just mention that yeah. stand out to me Please with do. this. Obviously, what we see in Matthew's gospel is that all of the Old Testament, all of the pro- uh, prophecies, the types, the pictures, the things that are written, were ultimately pointing to Jesus. So, again, we'll have to say when we study our Old Testament, um, we have to understand that those those are there um, mainly to point us to Christ and then find their fulfillment in him. Some and some things very directly like this prophecy, others more indirectly. But ultimately, this is why Jesus says, uh, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Okay, so um, it's pointing to him. But I also, what stands out to me in this, and I guess this will also tie into our message for this Sunday out of chapter 2 in Matthew, is that uh, it the whole, all of Scripture really, and the history of Israel, and the bringing in of the Messiah, and every way in which it happened is what I'm calling a spectacle of God's sovereignty. Hmm. So it's like... He's just putting his sovereignty on display. Here yeah. he could work through good kings over uh, Judah. He could work through bad kings over Judah. Yeah. And regardless of what Ahaz was going to do or where his heart was, God says, "Well, I'm going to give you the sign. Then here's what's going to happen." And then it's fulfilled in his son. And he's working all those centuries through every conceivable uh, thing that happens on the whole planet, he is working it according to the counsel of his will to bring in his son for his saving, redemptive purposes. And to me, that's just standing out to me this week, mm. uh, even in how he's done that. Uh, so that's a it's a spectacle of his sovereignty. But of course, too, it's really pointing to the to the person of Jesus. Um, that he is God incarnate, right? Yeah. So when we think about Christmas, we're thinking about this miracle of God became flesh. Hmm. That's just the phrase that John uses. Uh, he, uh, The word, which he already established as God, the creator, the son, he became flesh. So he assumed on himself humanity. And all of the mystery that surrounds that um, is 
is powerful, and this was God's plan uh, all along. Matthew's just drawing it out, like even back then, with what God was doing with Ahaz, was working this all together for God to to become man. You know, one other thing that I want to draw out just from from Isaiah's prophecy in seven fourteen, where it says, uh, "The virgin shall conceive." and she'll call his name Emmanuel. It seems to imply there that the virgin would name this child Emmanuel, but then Matthew helps clarify that's not what happens. All people, because Matthew says, they shall call his name Emmanuel. Yeah. So when this child arrives, Mm -hmm. everyone will know this is God with us. Mm -hmm. And through the life of Jesus, we see that. Yeah. And uh, and so again, you think about in Ahaz's day, this deliverance didn't come, but in Jesus it was fulfilled and it's clearly fulfilled. So that goes back just to the speculation of who is this child in verses 15 and 16 that was born. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. It's unclear. That's the point. It's supposed to be unclear because Mm -hmm. when the clear one comes, it's obvious and it's Jesus. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think with whenever we're thinking about or studying about the the, uh, advent of Christ, we need to always be thinking there are more promises in Christ to be mm. fulfilled to yeah. come when yeah. he returns again, and that will happen Yeah, uh, in the way God has told us it will happen. And uh, so we're supposed to be looking forward to that as well and trusting those promises. Right. And that segues right into what we're going to talk about next time in Isaiah 9 and 11. Good. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Cast. We hope this podcast has been encouraging and edifying for you. We always love to hear from our listeners. If you have topics or passages of Scripture you want us to address, why don't you just send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. If you're part of our church, then send us a text, give us a phone call, or just talk to us in person. The Calvary Cast is a production of Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. We exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.